Good morning, Nashville Life, everybody. Thanks for being here. My name is Alvin. I'm a lead pastor here at the church, and I am honored to have you here for our soft opening of the new building. This is our second week in this new facility, and we couldn't be more excited. Uh, we call it a soft opening because where we're sitting currently is where the children's space is going to be long-term. Upstairs is where we'll be long-term, but it's still being finished. And we had the option of waiting until it was finished or just getting in here sooner, and we chose to get in. And uh, for the next six to eight weeks, we'll be worshiping here, Lord willing, and then be upstairs uh, when the production and all the other elements are being finished up there. So... Uh, I don't know, I still like this though, even for the soft opening, I think this is pretty nice for a step into the new spot. So um, I'm glad you guys are here. Um, I do want to honor our friends. We've got some great friends, some of the awesome church that we are always inspired by. Church of the Highlands, thanks so much for being here. Birmingham, Alabama, Pastor Chris Hodges, great ministry. We're honored to have you as well as everybody else who's here. I know y'all probably didn't want to be put on the spot, but. Hey, we love, to give, we love giving honor here, and we honor you all and the ministry that you guys are doing uh, in the kingdom of God, so thank you. Um, well, we had the first Sunday in the new building, we had communion Sunday last week, and it was also zeal for the house. And zeal for the house offering is an end-of-the-year offering that we, that we do where that's above normally what you give for tithes and, and offerings. And the, the point of the zeal for the house offering is to really assess your heart. It gives you a chance to see, like, what is my enthusiasm towards what God is doing in this church and through this ministry? And it gives you a chance to sow according to that zeal. And the beautiful thing about zeal for the house is it goes literally to the house because we're continuing to build our building but what I love is it also gives to the impact of this house. Um, our church has done a partnership with Paragon Mills Elementary School which is a few uh, few minutes down the road in Nolensville and it's a school I think 20 languages are spoken in this one school alone. It's people from everywhere. It's a great way to just show the love of Jesus. So with whatever you give for the zeal of the house offering, a portion of that is gonna go to bless the facilities, the faculty, and the students of Paragon Mills Elementary School. So just so you know, um, that's what the vision is for the zeal for the house offering this year. Um, it was last week, but people are still giving towards it. It's pretty cool. We wanna actually leave it open for another week because people are still giving. We don't wanna stop you guys. So, so please continue to give towards that and just specify um, if it's not tithes and offering if you want to give to the zeal for the house offering just specify that online or write that on your offering envelope when you give it at the end of service so thank you in advance for that um, I do want to thank our church for helping make this move happen uh, we've had people really rise up in like brand new ways the past couple of weeks we've seen people give not only financially, but just give their time, manual labor. People have been painting things and plugging things up. People are showing up on Saturdays. Uh, Spencer was here working out live stream. I mean, people are just doing some amazing things. And I love just seeing our church uh, just have so much zeal for what we're doing. So I want to thank you. I want to specifically thank our staff, um, our staff that works tirelessly. Robin and Lucy and Marion and Joel and... Brandon, I've been calling Brandon MVP. Where is Brandon? MVP, he's really been here. 
above above the call of duty, and then we can't honor without giving honor to our founding pastors. My parents, Alvin and Cece, thank you for your service and your faithfulness to this body and to my life personally. So I uh, love you and I honor you. Um, let's see. We Speaking of honor, we spent uh, last Thursday, we had our team night. We got to honor all of our team volunteers. We... Uh, rented out the movie theater and all watched, based off of your votes, Elf. We watched Elf at the movies and gave out team blankets with our Nashville Life team logo on it, and hopefully you guys got to take those home if you were there. You had to be there to get it. Um, <laughs> but we got, we got, if you're on team, we got extra. Just, I don't even know who I want to say to go to, because go, <laughs> go to Marion if you want a blanket. No, I'm kidding. Um, let us know. We got a blanket for you. We also got to celebrate our team wins. Um, this year, 2021, was a really fruitful year. Uh, we also, we call, we honor, uh, we honor people who are excelling in team, and we call it the Teamy Award. Just a little corny, but we love it. Everyone needs a little cheese here and there, especially during the holidays. So it's the Teamy Awards, and basically what we've done is we... Uh, we have four values to serve on team, four values that we uphold. That's loving God, that's loving people, that's uh, pursuing excellence, and that's choosing joy. We had nominees. Our church got to vote nominees for who really excelled in these values, and we had winners. And the winner for the Love God Award was Miss Lily Cleveland. She's head of our prayer team. She's amazing. Her and her husband are great. Uh, for love, people, the people voted Mr. Brandon Palma, who heads our finance team. Uh, and then for pursuing excellence, the people voted Mr. Dylan Holder, who serves on the welcome team. And then for choose joy, the people voted Ms. Shonda Jefferson, who serves on our music team. And they all got uh, dinner for two at Brick Tops, along with, along with a little trophy, so, uh, and as well as just our appreciation. So thank you all for excelling. We also got to celebrate some victories. Um, this year, as far as recorded decisions, we had 293 salvations. <laughs> Let's keep doing what we're doing, guys. People are choosing Jesus. What else do we have? Can you go... We had uh, 471 first-time guests at Nashville Live. People are coming and seeing what we're like. Uh, we had, I think, 15 water baptisms. And then we had 62 new team members added to serve on team. So if you want to get involved on team, come to Next Steps. We'll tell you how to get involved, and we would love to have you join what God is doing here at the church. Um, but let's, uh, let's get into the Word. Let's get into the Word. Uh, we want to prepare our hearts and minds because I always say this, but this is not just a book that we're studying. This is more than just a book study. This is the word of God. The, the words on this page are the literal words inspired by the spirit of God, and they are for our lives. They are for the world. So when we get into it, I want to make sure we know that we are not just approaching some book it's 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 god's word so let's let's repeat this prayer together say the word of god is the bread of life, the word of god is the bread of 
May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. And then we'll say in the name of Jesus, Jesus. amen. Amen. All right, so the theme for 2021, Nashville Life, every year we try to have a theme that kind of drives us throughout the year. And the theme for 2021 was I am a life giver. It's inspired by the story of Joseph when Joseph uh, led uh, Egypt and Pharaoh's dream to where they got to store up all this grain for, uh, for seven years, and then there was a huge famine across the whole world. And God made it to where Egypt was the only place in the whole earth that you could get, you could get grain. They were the source of grain for the whole world, and everyone came and, and would purchase grain from, from, from Egypt because of all they stored. And I truly believe that, likewise, the church, we're the storehouse, but for life. Uh, Egypt was a storehouse for grain during that famine. I believe the church is a storehouse for life during the famine of life that's happening around the world. There's a lot of despair. There's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of unbelief. And I believe that if any place, they can come and get that, get, get those things at the church, um, the body of Christ. So we are important. We are the source of life. And when I say life, I want to make sure we understand what I mean by that. And that is the life of Jesus. Jesus is the life, and that's the series for December. I want us to talk about what that life is. When I say I'm a life giver, what do I mean? I mean Jesus. Jesus the life. People can come to the body of Christ to receive Jesus the life. Um, Jesus famously said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And it's a bold statement, but it's true. He goes on further to say, no one can come to God, the Father, except through him. And uh, that statement still stands true today. We believe that at Nashville Life. So when we give Jesus, we believe that we are giving the way, the truth, and the life. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar, Adam and Eve, the first people that God created, were given life. They were given full life, life directly from the Spirit of God. But then something really unfortunate happened. Um, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and the word said that they died. The life that they were given was taken. Uh, and I want to talk about that because if you can continue reading, you realize that even though they died, they kept living. And that can be very confusing to the human psyche, to our understanding, to what we kind of Think of when we think of life, how do you die and then you continue living? Most of us would connect those sort of things and that concept to zombies or uh, The Walking Dead or something that you would see in the Michael Jackson thriller video of these dead people walking. And it can be very confusing, but I want to help uh, help you guys understand how how that happens, how you can die but yet still live. Last week, we introduced that in the Greek, there are three words that actually translate as life. And that's bios, which is biological life. There's suche, which is the soul life, which is your emotions and your your thoughts and your will. And then there's zoe life, which is the divine life. And when Adam and Eve died, they died to this life the divine life, life with God. They lost that, but they still had bios and suche. And they died in these lives, but these lives died way more gradually, way more gradually. They lost the divine life immediately. When they ate that fruit and disobeyed God, death came immediately. 
but then the bios and the suche uh, was more gradual. And that's the way it happens with us, our lives. We have the bios and suche, which you can honestly have regardless of your faith. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to have faith. You don't have to believe in anything and still have these lives. But this life, the life that comes from God, can only come via Jesus Christ. And yeah, that Zoe life is life with God. And Paul, we covered this last week, but it's so rich that I want to spend more time with it. Paul describes the, the nature of the death that happened with Adam and Eve um, in Ephesians chapter 2. So we're going to read Ephesians chapter 2 again, but I want to highlight something new this week that I didn't highlight last week, which by the way, if you want to see or listen to last week, just go to our podcast. We've got all of our messages on there. I would highly recommend it. Um, session one from last week. But Ephesians 2, we're going to read it again, and here we go. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. It's a pretty radical scripture. And I've said this before, when it comes to the spiritual life, it's important for everyone to take heed to this. When it comes to the spiritual life, there really is no neutral ground. If you look in scripture, when it comes to the kingdom of, of the, the spiritual worlds, there's the kingdom of light and there's the kingdom of darkness. And as much as so often we would love for there to be a middle ground that was just, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm just here in the middle, it doesn't exist. And this scripture really points to that because Adam and Eve, when they died, they didn't just, there wasn't a pause button on their life. Death is not a pause button, it's not a stagnant state. It's actually just as progressive as life is. It moves. Um, Adam and Eve, when they obeyed, sorry, when they disobeyed God, they didn't only disobey God, but they actually obeyed the serpent. Sometimes we think that you can not obey God and not obey the devil, and you're not obeying anybody. You're just staying put. Someone earlier said after this first service, they said not making a decision is actually a decision. For those of you who think that indecision is not a decision, it is. So when you obey, when you disobey God, you're not just not, you're just not disobeying God, you're obeying someone else. And in this case, it's the serpent. Um, I call this active death. Death is not stagnant. Death is active. It's just as active as life is. When they were actively following God, once they stopped actively following God, Ephesians 2 says that we, they begin walking, following the course of this world, following the prince of the air. So even though, in Ephesians 2, even though Paul says that mankind was dead, it says we were dead following. So there's an action with the death. There was an active, that, an active death that took place in mankind when sin entered the world. 
This happens in the spiritual world, but then I started thinking about it when I was studying, and it actually applies to the physical world as well. Think about it. When we die, our bodies don't just press pause and stop. We get cold. The body starts to smell. It starts to decay. And I know that's gross, but decay is a verb. It's an action word. So even when we die, we begin to progressively move more towards death. It starts, it starts our organs and our skin. And I mean, I know, I know it's gross, but I'm trying to paint a picture here. You're not just dying and you, you, you see me in three years, I'll look exactly the way I looked before. If you see a dead body three weeks, three years after, it doesn't look the same because it's progressive. So death is just as progressive and active as life. And this is where human beings have been. We've been dead in sin, dead in trespasses, dead following the prince of this air, which, in case you didn't know, is what they call the devil. The devil is the prince of this air, according to scripture. But let's read about the good news, because verse 4 then says in Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, verse 4 through 7, it says, but God, hallelujah, being rich in mercy. So that means he doesn't, he doesn't have a little bit of mercy. He's not like moderately merciful. He's richly mercy, merciful. He's, he's wealthy in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were actively walking in death, not just on a pause, not just on a standstill, progressively moving towards the will of the enemy. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's good news. Even though we were actively walking away, away from God and towards his adversary. The Lord, in the midst of our active death, in the midst of our decay, came and brought Jesus. Jesus came with a new life. He came with a new way. And let's talk about how he came, because this is what we're celebrating even this month during the Christmas season. Merry Christmas, by the way. Um, Matthew chapter 1. Verse 21, she, talking about the Virgin Mary, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save us from our sins, from our active death, from our walking in sin, from our walking in in the will of this prince of the prince of the air. He came to save us from that direction that we were actively walking in. If you look in scripture, you'll see two truths be revealed throughout all of scripture. And that is disobedience to God equals death. The whole reason why we need a savior, the whole reason why the cross was necessary is because of this word right here. That's the root of our death. That's the root of our sin. Disobedience. Disobedience to God 
equals death. And then in Scripture, you will also see that obedience to God equals life. It's very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. <laughs> it's, but it's very simple. Obedience to God, life. Disobedience, death. Which is why the cross is so profound. And I want to highlight something that in case you guys have thought about it, I want to shine some light on it. If this is true, and obedience to God equals life, and Jesus was obedient to God the Father, how do we make sense of obedience to God equaling life, but when Jesus obeyed God the Father, he died? I was studying, I was like, man, how does... If obedience to God equals life, then why didn't that work out for Jesus? But then I thought of something, and I want everyone to say this with me. Say the whole story. The whole story. Say it again. The whole, story. the whole story. Have any of you guys ever drawn a conclusion before you heard the whole story? How about this? Has anyone ever drawn a conclusion about you before they heard the whole story? We don't like that, do we? Well, neither does God. The whole story, yes, though obeying God the Father led Jesus to the cross, if you just keep reading a few more verses you'll realize that though he died in a few days after he raised, rose from the grave, bringing us life. So even though the cross was on the journey of Jesus' obedience to the Father, it resulted in him being alive, still alive today. He will be alive forever. And because of his life, we have life. So the statement remains true. Obedience to God equals life. Now, does obedience to God sometimes include going through a death? Yes. And Jesus paved that road for us. He let us, knew, let us know that the life that he gives us is through a threshold called death. And if we don't read the whole story, if we don't stick around for the whole story then we'll draw a conclusion during the death and go, man, I thought obeying God meant that I would have life, and I'm going through a death right now. I'm out of here. And from the Israelites on to the modern-day Christian, there are so many people tapping out when they face the threshold of death, saying, I was told that obedience to God equals life, but why am I bearing a cross at the moment? Why am I crying myself to sleep right now? Why do I have so much agony happening inside of my heart? And we, and before finishing the whole story, we tap out before the story's over. If only we endured, we would realize that through that death, through that tearing, is a resurrection that's better than the life that you had before you died. And that is the power of the whole gospel, which is why we must teach and read and believe the full gospel, that yes, though you go through a death, life is at the end of the tunnel. The vision of Nashville life is following Jesus 
building leaders. And following Jesus means following this path. The path of Jesus is life, death, and life eternal again. If you follow Jesus, that will be your path. Jesus saves you from your sins. He saves you from eternal death, but he does not save you from the threshold of death that's called repentance. Let me explain. Water baptism, that's a command from the Lord. He wants all of his believers to be baptized in water. And it's a wonderful, wonderful occasion. It's a wonderful thing to do. And it's, 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 what he, it's his will for our lives. And it's more than just the pageantry of it. It's more than just the surface thing of, you know, you get to get a T-shirt and everyone claps and you, you're all wet. And, you know, it's, it's, it's more than that. Baptism is actually a representation of the path of Jesus. When we go down in the water, that represents the death. But the whole story, thankfully, is we come up, because think about it. If we ended the story there, we would drown. But thankfully, if you have a good baptism team, they bring you up very quickly, because the alternative is, oh my God, I'm, I'm dying for real. Which is why the whole story is important, because the whole story is we come back up. Same with repentance. Repentance is a form of death. That is the threshold to life. Jesus says, if you don't repent, you'll perish. And repentance is a turning from the direction, the life that you were once living. For you to follow Jesus, the life that you were living prior has to die. And it doesn't feel good. Even though it's the right thing, it doesn't feel good because every self-governing part in your heart, in your mind, is like, this is the worst. We are used to driving our own car. We are used to dictating our own lives. We are used to leaning on our own understandings. We're, we're used to following our own passions and our own desires. And when you repent, there is a death that happens. And though it doesn't feel good, it leads to this, leads to life, life eternal. And when we, when we follow Jesus, he's so good, at least with me, I'm sure he's with a lot of you guys, but he's so good at, at uh, reminding us that he went through the same thing. At the Garden of Gethsemane, guys, that was a death for him. He, he did that out of obedience to his father. There was, there was, he and himself would not have chosen that. He even said, Lord, if there's another way, can we do that? If there's another way to save humanity, can we do that? But then he said, nevertheless, your will be done. And that's the death. When you reach that nevertheless, that is the death that God is calling you to. That is the threshold to life of going regardless of what I want. My life is yours. Paul said it great in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I 
who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucified. I have been crucified. If the period was just there, then that would not be the good news. Because crucified, I mean, by the way, guys, Jesus is not the only person in history who has been crucified. That was a, that, crucifixion wasn't, was the way people, like, people die. They kill people by crucifixion. He wasn't the only one. In fact, even on that day, there were two others with him. Crucifixion isn't, isn't unique to Christ. Crucifixion with the resurrection after it is, which is why it's so important not just say I've been crucified, I've been crucified with Christ, because the crucifixion of Christ resulted in a resurrection. So when you identify with Christ and say, man, I'm being crucified, make sure you say I'm being crucified with Christ, because any person who is if you're just crucified, then you just, you're, you're dying. But if you're crucified with Christ, you're dying for a great resurrection. You're dying in a way that's going to produce more life, abundant life, more life than you even need, life that you can actually spare for other people to enjoy. Here, I've got, I've got way more than life than I need. Here you go. Here's some life. That's the life of a Christian. That's what it means to be a life giver. The reason why God gives us abundance is so that we can share it. If the life wasn't abundant, then we wouldn't be able to afford to give to anybody else. Have you ever, guys, ever gone somewhere and it cost five bucks and you had five bucks only? You don't have anything to spare because that five bucks is what it costs. But the Lord makes it to where we have more than enough so that we can... There's someone else in line that only had three bucks, and we're like, oh, here's two. Now you can come in with us. And that's how abundant life works. It's not just meant for us to just swim in extra life. Oh, man, this life is great. I'm just... No, it's meant to spare. It's meant to share. The Lord says that he lavishly blesses us, and the reason why he does that is so that we can afford to share with others. If you've ever wondered why he's all about abundance and more, the God of more than enough, it's not just so you can just swim in abundance and toss it in the air and let it fall down to the ground. Oh, wow, look how much we have. This is great. No, it's, there's people outside these walls that don't have anything. And while we're swimming in the abundance of life, there are people who are empty of life, which is why, which, this is why, which is why the word says, too much is given, much is required. Because if the Lord knows that he's given us an abundance, an abundance of life. And he holds us responsible for that. He wants us to share that life. The reason why God blessed Egypt with such an abundance of grain was not just so they can be, look how much grain we got. Hey, you guys don't have anything. No, it was to distribute that grain to those who didn't have. So as we walk in the fullness of God, in the fullness of mercy, and the abundance of grace, and the abundance of, of provision, the abundance of revelation. Some of us are just full of message on message, on podcasts, on notes. We're just full of all of this knowledge. It's more than what we even need. 
And the reason why he sets it up that way is because when you leave your house, you are guaranteed to meet someone or find someone who doesn't have half of what you have. And those are those moments where that abundance gets put to work. God wants to put our abundance to work. Are y'all still with me? So disobeying God often feels like, oh, that's right, sorry. Disobeying God can sometimes feel like life, but if you stick around for the whole story, you will see that it's death. Obedience feels like death, but if you stick around for the whole story, you will see that it is life. I'm going to say that again. Obedience to God might feel like death, but if you stick around for the whole story, if you let the story finish, you will see that it was eternal life. And disobedience, just disobedience to God can feel like life. Some of us, when it comes to addictions, when it comes to defense mechanisms, our, our unhealthy coping mechanisms, the deception of the reason why we run back to it so often because it gives us this feeling like, oh, finally I'm alive. It's like a, it's like a drug. It's like a fix. It's a fix. Think about the person who's addicted to, we'll just say heroin. And if you look at someone who just got a hit earlier that day and then someone where it's been a week since they've had a hit of heroin, the person who just got one that day will probably look a lot better than the person who hasn't had it in a week. It's called withdrawals. And it's scary to part ways with those, those coping mechanisms that you're used to because it keeps on telling you that this is how I can live. This is how I can live. This is how I can live. But it just makes you go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and decay. And then the person that goes... I'm going to part ways from that. Sometimes in the beginning, their life feels worse than it did when they were still on it. I know people who that part of ways, all of a sudden, they're feeling things they weren't used to feeling because they're used to being numb. So now they're angrier than they used to be. They're more emotional than they used to be. They're happier than they used to be because they're finally feeling. They cut out the numbing agents, and now they're actually feeling things. And that's tough. And so often, guys, we fear freedom. Because if I'm free, maybe I'll actually see my condition. Maybe I'll actually feel the pain of what happened to me those years ago. Maybe I'll actually have to forgive those. Maybe I'll be held responsible for things. We fear freedom sometimes. Guys, the Israelites literally said we had it better in slavery. There's a part of us that can really fear the reality of freedom, the, the, the death that, that we end up going through of, oh, I'm just so used to leaning on these, oh, man, I have to stand on my own two feet. Oh, my gosh, I have to trust God now. Oh, my gosh, I have to, oh, and it's a real thing, and that's why I want to say it might feel like, obedience to God might feel like death. Sobriety might feel like death. But if you just hold on and watch the whole story, you will realize 
that you will experience true life on the other side of it. Does that make sense? Repentance is a death that obedience produces. When you repent, there's a death to your old life. There's a death to disobedience. And when you obey God, there's a death that happens. And it hurts. And it makes you have to confront yourself. We'll have those... those uh, prodigal son moments where we come to our senses and go oh my gosh that's a hard thing to come to yourself we'll have those moments that David had when Nathan approached him and said you're the one in the story the one that you say deserves death that's you David that's hard that's a death that happens a death to your pride a death to the deception that you've made a home for yourself. A death. But the thing about it is be encouraged because the things that you die, think the things that die out of obedience to God, you don't like anyway. You, the, the despair dies. You don't like the despair that you feel. The instability dies. You hate how unstable you are. The instability dies. The fear dies. The anxiety dies. The codependency dies. The chains die. I'm telling you, things die when you obey God, but you'll realize it's the stuff that you wish wasn't there anyway. So it's a win-win situation. It really is. You can't lose. And the things that you lose, you, you want to lose. Does that make sense? John 14, 6, last scripture. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the life. A lot of us have been living a life Jesus goes, it's time to step into the life. The life that I've always intended for you to live. The life that I had in mind when I said, let's make man in our image. There is the life that God is waiting for all of us to step into. And Jesus is the door. And the cool thing about that is, is Jesus is here right now. He is alive. The door is open. He is here asking anyone who's who's willing, anyone who's willing to step outside of the, the cycles and step in something new. I am a living testimony that that death and obedience to God proves to not be death at all. It's life. It's life eternal. Every time I've gone through a threshold of wanting to just Say, that's it. It's just too hard. I do not want to humble myself again. I do not want to submit again. I do not want to say I surrender again. Every time I reach that point of like not again and I do it again, there's another glory that I experience in my heart, in my life. 
So you might be on your first I surrender. You might be on your fourth I surrender. You might be on your 10th submission. All I got to say is read the whole story. Let your life be the full story. Don't let the death that you perceive make you turn away. But remember Jesus who faced death, went through it completely. But man, on the third day, he said, all authority in heaven has been given to me. And he wants to lead you guys on that path. So I'm going to pray. And uh, I'm just going to believe the Holy Spirit is going to minister to us in the way that applies to your personal life. Um, Father, we come to you humbly. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the word of God that is bread for life, Lord, that is that is uh, fresh water for us, God. We thank you for the word that's the sword that, that cuts and, and, and separates, Lord, and heals, God. Your word is, is life, God, and we just, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. God, I just lift up every heart that is in this room. You know the individual conditions of all of our hearts, Lord, and you know that you know the secrets of what's happening in all of our lives. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that everybody here would just take comfort in the fact that you already know. You already know. We don't have to hide. We actually can't hide. You see it all. And yet you still want us. You still call us. You see all of it. You see even more than we know is there. And you still are calling our names because you love us and you want us back with you. God, I just pray for every single person, whether they identify as a Christian or not, God, I pray that all of us would just acknowledge you right now. The Father who loves, the Father who forgives, the Father who heals, the Father who restores, the Father who accepts with open arms. Father, we thank you for making a way for us to be accepted when you sent your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for being the way for us the truth for us, and the life for us. Lord, I pray that, that you would send your spirit to make us aware of parts of our lives that need to be handed over to you, parts of our lives that might be resisting that, that threshold of death, so similar to what you experienced on the cross. But Lord, encourage us today that on the other side of that repentance or that surrender or that submission or that, that breaking away or that letting go, there is a resurrection. There is abundant life on the other side. God, so I pray for your spirit to make us bold and, courage, and, and courageous and stepping towards the life that comes from obedience to you. And the first thing you asked us to do, Jesus, when you came on the scene was to repent. 
He said, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Lord, so give us the courage to repent in areas that we need to let go of and turn away from. Lord, replace those areas of death with life. Replace those decaying areas with life. And we'll forever be grateful, God. And and I'm going to go a step further and say, Lord, that as you give us this abundant life that we're praying for, remind us to share that abundant life with those who need it. Lord, the world is in so much need. There really is a famine of abundant life. And help us to see that we are the life givers. We are the ones who can distribute the life of Jesus and share him with those who need him. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you in advance for all that's going to produce and come from this meeting, God, from the word that you shared and the way that you're speaking to each person right now. We thank you in advance for your mercy, for your kindness, for your faithfulness. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to ask us all to stand because I would love for us to give an opportunity for people to make the decision to choose Jesus. I would love to add to that 293 number, get more people who, who, who want to follow Jesus. So repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you receive life and you believe it by faith, make some noise for Jesus. Clap your hands. Say thank you. Say hallelujah. Say yay. Say something. Hallelujah. Now, following Jesus takes action. You can't follow Jesus and, and stay in one place. You gotta move. You gotta move. And this move uh, takes help. You need help. We all do. I don't know a single Christian that does not need the help of the saints to encourage and to lead and to correct and guide and to so we would love to be that for anybody who wants to make that decision to follow Jesus let us know by texting yes to Jesus to 77411 and what what that happens is when you text that we'll just give you a little document with some scriptures that can get you started you can start learning how to do this thing because it's a lifetime journey but we want to be here to support you We want to be here to support you by you texting yes to Jesus. You can also come to Next Steps. We have right after service gets over. Next Steps is a place to learn about the vision of our church, get more involved so we can partner up with you and encourage you on this blessed but often difficult journey 
It's not easy, but it's so much easier when you do it with others, right? So please come to Next Steps. Um, if you would like prayer, we have two leaders that are going to be here to pray for anyone who needs it. Shonda and Josh would love to pray for whatever needs you have. You can also submit your prayer requests online. We have a prayer team that prays for all of these things every week. Whenever you submit a prayer request, we pray. Um, and then lastly, if you want to give your offering, whether zeal for the house or tithes or offering, you can give online or see our finance team in the back. They've got the buckets holding. They'll be happy to receive your offering. Uh, I love you guys. Thanks so much for spending the second week in the new building with us. And I'm going to pray. Father, bless us all as we leave here. Let the word that, that you spoke, Lord, via this message, Lord, let it reach our hearts. Let it stay in our hearts so that it can produce fruit in our lives. And not only will we be blessed because of it, but our friends and family will be blessed as well. Bring us back next week according to your will, and we'll continue to praise you and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great, great day. Thank you for coming.